Hey everyone, welcome to Daily Dose of Serotonin, the show about mental health delivered in a less conventional way. We all have health and we've all got a brain, so we've all got mental health that we need to take care of. I'm here to break down the walls, stigma, boxes, labels. I'm not here to educate or diagnose, and I'm especially not here to tell you what to do because you are the one with the wisdom and the answers. And I am here to present new ideas, new perspectives, so that you can find your own answers and live a life a little healthier, happier, you are. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm Sarah Pringle, your host. But that's not really important because you're the star here. All right, if you're ready, here's your little dose of serotonin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Daily Dose of Serotonin. You have all asked for her to return, and so I have brought Julia Webster back on for round two. She was on episode six, which was quite a while, almost 30 episodes ago, which is crazy. So Julia is just a beautiful healer. She is an intuitive counselor. Uh, amazing therapist and honestly she is she's also my cousin so I mean I'm biased but she's amazing and um she now has her own podcast so you'll have to go check that out the beauty of being her and her other partner the co-host of the show so I want to have them both on at some point so stay tuned for that it is honestly such a beautiful show about healing and being and honestly the beauty of of being and <laughs> So today, uh, her and I are, we're going to dive a little into grief since that's something that we've both gone through or going through recently. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, we're going to talk about being through all of it as well. I know that, Julia, you have so much wise, beautiful words um, that I'm excited to to hear from you as well to help me as well. So all of you listening, thank you for being here. Julia Webster, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. That was a really, that was such a kind introduction. I feel very honored. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I love you so much. So I am not going to steal the table on this one and ask you crazy, wild, deep, (laughs) confusing questions like I did on the first one. Uh, We're just going to, we're just going to chat. So if you mm-hmm. want to start us off or I can start us off, but like what mm-hmm. does grief even feel like to you or mean to you or what is it when people are like, what are we even talking about and what is it not mm-hmm. limited to maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny. I was thinking about this. I mean, I guess obviously or not obviously, maybe after if you want, like, should we give context for each of our oh, yeah. griefs or we don't have to, but I was thinking about this, like if I... I actually did record a podcast about it, but it hasn't gone out yet. I'm just kind of feeling into when the right time is. So that may or may not be released, but um, like, I'm very much like the type, I don't know how to say this. Like I'm the type of person that isn't going to hold too strongly to anything. So I'm always kind of asking questions because I'd be skeptical of anyone perhaps for myself that was like, this is what grief is and end of story. Um, But for me, I think what I'm sort of learning and, you know, like I I think both of us, and and I know for me, like I've, I've been through grief and and deaths before. um, But this is probably one of the like closest and deepest that I've experienced yet in this lifetime. And so it's, it's definitely like a deeper teacher in that way. Um, and one of the curiosities that has come out of that is like this question of like, like, I think we often have a perception of grief as like either equated to sadness or equated to Mm. something terrible. And it is challenging. Like it is painful and challenging and, and intense at times it can be, um, But I'm always really curious about that perception because it's also so universal. Like like, literally none of us is going to not die at some point and none of us is going to go through our entire life without knowing a being that we love 
is going to, that uh, like knowing a, a, someone to, that we love to die. I'm trying, you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always have this like curiosity around, and this has also, you know, been taught to me too, of like, okay, well, if this is such an integral part of our human experience, clearly, then um, why is it that we all want to run from it? And the curiosity that's come up in me, I guess, to like go back to your question is like, what if grief is, it kind of feels like when I was in university, we learned this idea of like, I forget who said it. Um, and I would have to look it up, but this idea of like a mystical experience having four key elements to it. Um, and they are, I think one that it's like spontaneous, like it's spontaneous. It just kind of happens to that. Um, oh my gosh. There's some kind of element of transformation. And the third one is like, you're not the same on the other side. And there's a fourth one. I'm really butchering all of this. I almost want to like pause this, look it up and come back to it. Um, but it's like the four elements that make up a mystical experience. And I remember when I, they popped into my head a few months ago, I was like, that sounds like grief. Like you, I'm definitely not the same person. Um, and I like now that I was, you know, five or six months ago, and I probably won't be the same in another couple of months. Um, it, it can be very transformational, I think. And it's just perhaps not as, um, yeah, not as like, um, I, I was going to say beautiful, but it is, it can be really beautiful, but not as like, you know, um, like neatly packaged as we might sometimes want our lives to be. Wow. Exactly. Um, I think, I think that's really important. The fact that it's so different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I always wonder like, is grieving the process is grieving the healing part, but I think Mm. grief seems like it's only limited to death of another being. And we don't always talk about the death of yeah. Or like the the death of a friendship, like the person didn't die, but the friendship died or mm-hmm. an old job. And, and, and we don't always allow ourselves to grieve through that. And then what comes with that is that comparison, like, oh, well, obviously losing a job isn't as bad as like losing, you know, your best friend who actually died or something. And mm-hmm. we get caught up in that. And I think if we can break it down to the fact that we are grieving and we allow ourselves through that process maybe that will actually allow us to heal mm-hmm. as opposed yeah, that's to so important as opposed if what no as like as opposed if we're just and that's and that's just it too like when i ask myself like what does grief mean mm-hmm. and it's like when i think of grief i used to just think again when someone had died but now it's like grieving is just this exactly what you said this transformation whether it's mystical whether it's you're you're morphing into something else mm-hmm. and i think that when someone dies a part of you dies as well and when mm-hmm. an old belief dies a part of you dies as well so it's if we can think of of grief maybe as a transition it feels at least to me a little less harsh and then instead of being mm-hmm. afraid of grief we know that it's necessary just like you had actually had an episode about the beauty of healing and you were talking about how healing isn't this upward slope of beautiful, (laughs) awesome, wonderful things. And healing we all think is like, we're getting better, but healing is actually the painful, the scrubbing out the wound. And it oftentimes feels worse than where you're at. And that's why we often avoid healing. And Mm -hmm. I, I think of grieving is that is where sometimes we can just shut things off, but that grieving is necessary. Hmm. Hmm. Oh my God. There are so many things that you said that were so important that like sparked thoughts in me. Um. Yeah. It's so. It's so. It's such an important reminder too of like, and and maybe something that's missing because, as you were talking about it, like, what if we saw grief? Like, what if we saw it? And this might be a really big ask, but what if we saw it more neutrally? Because that takes away 
the comparison, the drama, the this is worse than this, the blah, 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 because none of that matters. And that's the, that's the, the, the thing about grief too. And, and death, like, it's like, okay, well, it's, we're all going to experience it in this life. And so why would, and I say this, I've been there, like I've done the comparison, I've spun myself around. And I think sometimes that perhaps we might do that to avoid the experience of it because it can be really intense. So we can spin ourselves up in our minds to, to try to like stay a little bit away from the emotion of it. So I don't say it with judgment. Um, but it's like, I think, I feel like what I want to say, which sounds harsh. So I'm hesitating is like, why would we waste our time comparison when in the comparison and all these stories when like the door of grief is right there and it actually does have a lot to offer us. It's just not necessarily easy. Um, and, and maybe there's something to be said too, for, you know, a little bit of a feeling in our society. And, and part of the beauty of this podcast is like how we've gotten away from ritual and community and support around things like death and grief where maybe we are making it hard. Like maybe there was, there's some lost wisdom around how to move through those things and how to support each other and ourselves through it. Definitely. I mean, I know times I was actually just talking with someone recently who said that um, in some books they were reading that death was almost this beautiful thing that Mm -hmm. obviously if someone had died when they're in their eighties, they had lived a long, beautiful life. They would have the open casket and awake and everyone would just be happy and eating and drinking and, and bring joy. And we are so, um, turned away like if there would be a plague back um in our history you know there'd be you'd see death all around you and mm-hmm. now it's i feel like there's this stigma almost there's this fear there's there's fear like i can't enter in that we don't like to talk about death or think about death even though like you said we're all going to die mm-hmm. and I feel like I feel like at this point I'd like to give con- context. So I recently lost oh, yeah. my yeah, I recently lost my horse. Um I've had her for 12 years, so she became a huge part of my life and mm. um and she was very old and she did live a long, beautiful, wonderful life and I decided that it was time to let her go so she wouldn't have to struggle anymore and it was the hardest decision. Mm. And I have seen death in like you know, my four-year-old cousin and mm-hmm. in um, an aunt, we both share an aunt who has passed mm-hmm. away and there's been, you know, my grandfather. So I've seen a lot of beautiful people and beautiful souls go away and it's the same thing, but yet I compare like human to animal um, can't be as bad. But then at the same time, um, when I was 17 and I had my first job not working for my dad, um, I actually got fired because I was really struggling mentally. And that was the same feeling. I went through the same mm. stages of this denial and then this 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 hate and all these feelings of just being felt rejected. And I almost feel that same rejection weirdly when I mm. lose someone. And even with my horse, there's this feeling of like, somebody left and you're alone and you always be alone. And I go in that spiral there as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I hear you. It's like, it's like, I've heard sometimes it described that like when, when death comes or when grief comes, it will bring, and this maybe is part of the intensity of it at times, like it can bring kind of on its back, like all the griefs that you haven't, yet moved through or, or like it'll, it'll sort of like um, bring all of it to the surface. Cause it's almost like, I guess our bodies or our soul or whatever is like, here's an opportunity to release this. Um, wow. That actually is, that's, that's huge. I didn't think of that, but it makes a lot of sense. Does it? Yeah. I don't know. It made sense to me too. Um, yeah. I guess maybe I should also give context <laughs> before we go much farther. People will be lost. Um, but yeah, so similarly, so my dog, um, who of 16 years, um, yeah, like he, let me edit this part out. Cause I feel like I'm tripping. I always trip over my words around like 
how do I want to say it? He died. Yes, he did die. His body died. He left his body. Like I think in my, and this is where I always, I always, I have less and less hesitation these days, but I always have a little bit because I know everyone's beliefs are very different. Um, and I never want to, yeah, I, I want to kind of honor the, the variety of the ways that we might experience this. Um, but I also want to honor my own and the way that I experience it is like, like he left his body, but his spirit has not gone very far. <laughs> and, and that feels very, very true in a, in a way for me where like, it's like, I can't, I can't even question it. I can't even deny it because it's so clear. Um, and so I find, yeah, it's, it's always like a, a tripping over my words. I'm like, you know, like someone who's been also along with my dog, Lou, a really great teacher to me in this space is like a mentor that I work with named Chloe, who talks a lot about death and, and is a really, has been a really great teacher. And also like reminder to me on, on this, in this space, um, kind of we'll speak she'll speak about how like we avoid the word like we avoid saying that they died or we avoid the the word death and so I I feel that and I kind of understand that and then at the same time I'm like but he he didn't die he's still here so it's always this like I guess we can really get spun up around language and at the end of the day it probably doesn't even actually matter that much because people feel the energy regardless of exactly what you're saying um but yeah, so this is the context for that. And with Lou, we, I think kind of similarly, like it, it was kind of like he, he really showed us that he was ready. And I guess that's the thing with animals that to me feels like a really beautiful teaching too, is like, they don't have the same fear and resistance to death that we do. Um, and that became so clear to me. Like I will never have enough gratitude for him because he was so clear like he could short of like coming out and speaking English, like he couldn't have been any more clear. And so, um, yeah, I was really grateful for that. And so he essentially, and it, it's possible that he was trying to communicate to us before we really heard him. But once we heard him, it was so clear that we kind of heard him right. Um, to us at least. And so, um, yeah, he, he essentially, it was like a, joint decision <laughs> of like, but really his decision, I think, um, that he was ready. And so then, yeah, similarly, like sweet 16 years of life and pretty awesome life. And, and yeah. And, and then, and yet like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't no no matter how, I think where I got caught up a lot was like, his life was so beautiful. His death was so beautiful. Like there's nothing I would like, there's nothing I could even like nothing I would. And, and what a gift, like, I'm so grateful for that. You know, like there's nothing I would want to change or do differently or go back and like, you know, like it, it felt so guided and it felt, um, and he, he, like his life was amazing and, and it was clear he was happy and, and all of these things. Um, and yet like the grief can still run deep and your mind can still get spun up about like, what if this, and what if that, and um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a sounds cliche, but I guess it's like a practice to keep coming back to like, okay, just let it move through you. Just let it move through you. It's okay. Um, and to not get really spun up in all of the like ways that I guess, yeah, like our mind or, or our, maybe our like conditioning can pull us around. Yeah, for sure. Well, like you say, um, same with my horse, April was 30 and mm -hmm. that's old for a quarter horse. And she had a beautiful long life, but it's mm -hmm. still, we can't rid ourselves of that sadness that comes. Mm -hmm. And even if we lose a job that maybe wasn't good for us, and yes, we can feel gratitude and all of that, it's still gratitude doesn't cancel out mm -mm. any sadness or pain. And that was the biggest thing is when people said, do a gratitude practice and even see how the hard things in your life became positive and write those down. And I felt like then that was not validating what I went through. And there's this mm -hmm. this dichotomy. Is that, is that the right <laughs> 
seemed like a good word, but I think so. That makes sense. Yeah. Where people are like, we need to be grateful for our past. And then people are like, oh no, we need to validate and, and, and feel sad. And we can't find, and, and, and it's both together and juxtaposed. Like it's not just one thing. And, and I think, um, another point I really wanted to bring up was that there's also this feeling of like how I should feel. And there's mm-hmm. times where I felt like nothing, like I couldn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. And I would talk about um, my horse, April, and I wouldn't cry. And I was like, should I be like, should I be yeah. crying? Like, should I? And then there'd be times where it it's people, I don't know, they have this timeline like, oh, it's been a month now. So Sarah, you should be over it. And I will just mm-hmm. like ugly cry. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, we just have to let ourselves go of that. And I constantly mm-hmm. have this of like what we should be. And when people say, oh, they don't seem that sad because of this. And you can't truly allow yourself to grieve. I think if you are constantly being like, okay, I need to cry on cute. Like this is how I should be. And this is how I shouldn't be. And when is it too much? It's never too much. And it's never too little. And it's, you're feeling what you're feeling. And whatever mm-hmm. comes out externally that people see is is not on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important. And I relate. I mean, I think, you know, and that's the, that's the piece that you also said at the beginning. I want to come back to the both and because that's so important too. So I'm going to say that so I don't forget. Um, but it's like what you said at the beginning, like every person is unique, of course. And we say that all the time, but I don't know if we actually act on that. And every death is unique. Like every, every time there has been a death in my life, whether it's a being that I love or a part of myself or, you know, a relationship or a job or whatever it may be, every time it's so different. And so, and I, I guess like, this is something that it's like, um, is big for me too, especially doing the work I do. I feel like sometimes there can be early on, I always felt a lot of pressure to have answers and my favorite thing. And probably the only thing I will hold on really strongly is like the mystery, like, like, like we're not meant to know everything. It'd be kind of boring if we did. Mm -hmm. And that's not the point of life. I think in my opinion, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that. Hence circling back mystery. Um, And so I think that's the thing. Like I, I, I knew, I knew for me with Lou, like that, it, it was, it was, it was like a black hole when I would anticipate it, you know, like I knew one day that he was going to die most likely before me, unless something catastrophic happened, because that's the nature of, of that, of like time and age. But of course you never know. Um, and, and I couldn't even conceptualize, like, it feels very much kind of like feeling around in a dark room. And I think I've never been, I've never been this conscious in grief before. I think, you know, I've been through various griefs, but it's different when you have an awareness and you're kind of like, okay, what's happening. And and that piece that you said around, yeah, like I can absolutely relate like early on, even though it was so beautiful and it was so laid out, like for my own reasons, there was a bit of like a, almost like a, like a shock in a way where I, and also my personality, I'm just naturally just, I don't know how to say it. Like, I'm just more private with my emotions, I guess. Like I just, you know, if I happen, if emotion washes over me in public, I don't have a problem with it, but that just doesn't happen to me very often. Whereas other people are just naturally more expressive that way. Um, And so it was definitely where like people were, people, everyone around me was experiencing the emotion, but I, I never, I always experienced it more in private and I had a similar thought of like, are people going to think that I'm not feeling it or that it's not like this, all these like doubts, you know? And yeah, I think there's something beautiful and clarifying about this seems like a big word. People might have various reactions to it, but like surrendering to just what is and pretty quickly I created a bit of like a cocoon for myself where um, 
it, I, it like, I just did what I did and I just kind of let it take the time it took. And I just, yeah, I was like a little, a little cocoon for, and I was, you know, thoughtful about who I spent time with or thoughtful about like the, the public places I went to. And because I'm quite sensitive that way. And like, I just gave myself that time, you know, where I wasn't going to like run into people and have people asking questions or whatever, if I didn't feel ready to have conversations. Um, I feel like I'm not quite saying what I wanted to say. I just can't figure out, I can't quite find the thought that was there a few moments ago. Um, I think what I'm trying to say is like, there's something really powerful about honoring and like taking it into our hands. Cause ultimately I think we can be really guided and supported, but we have to hold that space for ourselves um, that like our timing is our timing and there's no right and wrong. And everyone's going to have probably an opinion or a perspective or perhaps even a judgment or, um, and it's usually coming from their own, like from inside of them. It doesn't have, like, it's like to not take it on. Like, that's what I mean by the cocoon. Like I created, it's not like I exited the world, but I just created a bit of a cocoon for myself where, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but this is just what I did. And it, it it's helpful. Um, yeah, where I just, no matter what anyone said, I had to keep reminding myself and I'm fortunate to have people who would remind me too. Like, um, your timing, like you're, it's, it's so unique. It's so unique. And that's the best gift we can give ourselves too, I think is to be honoring of that. So, so, so good. And honestly too, like um, an extension of that is that sometimes we feel we, we steal our, we rob ourselves of any joy we might have because we oh, yeah. feel like, oh, we have to stay in this bubble of sadness and we can't go to a movie one time and just laugh with our friends and just be okay because mm-hmm. we're like, we're supposed to feel, we're supposed to be at home, miserable. And and sometimes that happens too. And I have, it might you might even have said this to me as well, but I had, um, shout out to Helen again. I know she listens to every episode. She <laughs> gives me feedback. She's amazing. And she had said like that there is, beauty like there's you can have the joy and the sadness at the same time um and the thing is is like we think that we now have to and she had mentioned how there was um we have a feeling we have a thought it becomes an emotion and then we come we we identify and then we're stuck in it mm-hmm. so we feel sad and we're suddenly like i am sad i am cloud i am dark deep you know and it's interesting because um about a uh, month before I knew that I was um, putting April down, I we were in Calgary and that's when I saw you. And then I realized like anyone um, who doesn't know, I am a big Michael Bublé fan. Um, when I was eight years old, I was going to marry him and I'd like sing Fever and like all the songs. And I found out that he was in Calgary and yet we were heading back before. And so I was like, oh man. But then I looked and on... October 21st, which would have been a day after um, April's passing, he was playing in Nova Scotia. My mom's like, well, maybe you'll feel good if you just flew out and you just had a had a, um, a concert and everything. And while I know for myself, I couldn't, I, I just wouldn't be able to, there was also a guilt part of me that was mm-hmm. like, there's no way that I could go and have fun while I just lost something so dear to me. And there was it's so it's 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 strange and and i i really tried to tear that apart and be like what is this was it that i i physically couldn't cuz there was times friends wanted to go hang out and just have fun and i said hey i can't mm-hmm. do this right now like i need to just be alone um but then there's an actual piece where i felt okay and i wanted to just just live and breathe for a moment and yet mm-hmm. i felt tied to this morning of you know wearing a thorn crown. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. I feel like I have a lot of ideas, but I don't know for sure um, where that comes from. It feels very, it 
to me, like, it doesn't feel like, I don't know how else to say this. It doesn't feel natural. It feels like it was something that was conditioned into us about like, and that's the thing is like, I don't know if you experience this, but you, I feel like often we can feel in our bodies when something is like a truth versus when it's like a should or an expectation or some kind of like outward thing. And it's funny. Similarly, um, pretty early on, I can't remember. It was like a couple, it was still summer. So um, yeah, Lou died August 14th, which was crazy. Cause it, that was the day I first got him. And then it was literally to the day, um, which is like, he just can't make this shit up. Like it was like, um, but so it was still summer. So it probably hadn't been very long. And I had, I had a quick, I had this like 20 minute phone call with my mom. And I think I called her to be like, I think we had plans later that day. And I called her to, you know, say like, you know, what time would you like to meet or whatever? And this is like how beautiful and quick things can happen if you allow it. And so I had this call with my mom and I don't remember what I told her or what I said. And she was like, Julia, you feel like, um, you feel so like heavy. Like it's like, like, and I, I, there was something around that I can't, I can't remember now, but, um, and I, I was like, no, I don't, I'm fine. Like I'm, you know, I'm like, obviously I'm sad and obviously I'm grateful and I'm, but like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I feel heavy. And then she was like, but you do. And then I can't remember how, I just remember that it clicked and it was like the easiest switch for me in that moment where I didn't even realize that I was doing it, but I was creating this like barometer of like, if I don't feel sad, it means that I didn't love him. And we don't even realize, I mean, my perspective on this, like fire me up because the thing about that is like, A, it takes us actually out of the true experience of the moment. Like I've been curious, you know, sometimes I like to use my life as like to, to learn things so that I can hopefully be helpful. Like it's like, sometimes I just zoom out and be like, what's happening and why. Um, I'm curious for myself, if that was like a way that I was trying to like ease off on the pain of it a little bit. It was like, I was just, cause it's, it's, it's like control. Like it's trying to hang on to um, sadness, but it's not actually allowing sadness to move through us. And then there's like all this conditioning about how we should feel and what that means. And uh, this was so much clearer at the time. Like now that I'm talking it out, I can't remember. But what I will say is like, if there's one thing I've, I knew before, I think, but I think that the, the teaching has deepened in my experience is like how closely connected grief and joy are. Um, and for me, I know that I feel, and I think, I don't know if this is sort of animals in general or like Lou as a being, but I know that I feel him so much more when I'm in joy. And then if I'm in the pain of it, he'll show up. But the minute I am in like some kind of like drama or like suffering, or I've like dug myself a little hole and I'm just going to construct a house in like heaviness and sadness, it will be a lot harder to feel him because there's a whole bunch of probably like esoteric quantum explanations for that, that I'm probably not qualified to give, but um, that's just what I've experienced. And I think yeah, I, I, I think that it's like, it's always like, okay, what's true for me right now? What's true for me right now? Like, for example, a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago, I was wearing his tag around my neck. Like I put it around my neck, maybe like a day after he died or something. I just found this chain somewhere. I was wearing it around my neck for, and I didn't take it off really at all for however many months it's been now. And then maybe like a week or so ago, I just felt like, it was like, you could feel that I could feel it was like that went from being like a comfort and like feeling him there and like a beautiful thing to like, it actually started to feel heavy around my neck. Like it felt, it just didn't, I was like, it's time, it's time to take it off. And so I just, and then I, you know, and I kind of had to sit with it for a minute cause I'm a deeply sensitive person that kind of takes time for all of these things. Um, 
And then I just took it off and I was like, oh yeah, that was the, and I could feel him right away. Be like, yep, about time. Like, it's okay. And like, you just, it's always just like, okay, what's true for me right now? Whereas another moment. Yeah. Like you said, like there have been moments where I know, like, like I'm moving through the pain of it and that's, what's true right now. And so that that's what I'm allowing. And then there's moments where, um, there's actually so much joy about like feeling him everywhere and him being free and yeah, like just, just the, 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 like the beauty or like, I mean, this might just feeling if I want to share, like where I'll be having conversations with him and like, I'm laughing or he's making me laugh or like the way he'll show up can be so un believable sometimes but believable and yeah I think you know just like what's true right now what's true right now it usually I find it's not um we can feel in our bodies when we're when it's like a should versus when it's a truth I don't know if any of them, I feel like I just want to know you honestly. Um, I did not realize the whole piece of you feel the more in joy. And it's really Mm. interesting because that's what really jumped out there and and beautiful story. I love, I love that you actually shared that you still feel this communication piece with, with Lou. Mm. And I find that extremely helpful as well, but the whole piece with the joy I remember someone had said to me, she had lost her mom and she said to me that she never wanted to stop feeling. And it was like years, years, years before, like 20 years ago, I think she lost her mom and she would still get really sad when she'd talk about it. And she said, I never want to lose this, this deep sadness because I feel like I'll lose her. Mm-hmm. And it I and it that. confused me, but it's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of us feel like that sadness is love and Mm -hmm. that sadness is where we feel them. And that sadness is, and it's, it can't, while it can be true hundred percent. And while some people almost find comfort in the Mm -hmm. tears of thinking of a loved one, but I think that the thought that that's the only way is not true. As you just said, you know, finding that joy and, you know, while this, you know, April was some, someone who made me the happiest. And now when I think of her, I feel the saddest and Mm. knowing that I, I can still feel like I I have still have a tough time looking at pictures. Like I'm not even at that point yet where I can Mm -hmm. even look at pictures without feeling just devastated. Mm. But there are moments where like I had a dream about her and, Mm. and it was beautiful and she was there and, and there was, there was joy and I could allow myself to wake up and, and not cry in the dream and wake up and be like, okay, like, you know, and I think that's this really important piece is we don't have to hang on to pain Mm -hmm. to feel love for something or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big time. And I get it. Right. Like, I'll be honest, like there are times when I'm like, I've, I've, you know, I've said like, I don't like, this is painful and this is intense. And I, a part of me doesn't want it to change because I'm, and, and to me, I feel like that's going back to maybe what we were talking about at the beginning around, like the, the trans, the, the changed part of it. Like that when we think about like grief and change being also very connected, um, And you said it, right? Like a part of us dies with when a being that we love dies. Um, Everyone that we are that is connected to them, it dies, it changes. And that can be really overwhelming, I think, for, you know, and it depends on so many things like our life experiences and our nervous system and our et cetera, et cetera, beyond, 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 like so many things. Um, where it's so understandable that there might be like, that we might want to hold on in that way. And, and, and it's like such a beautiful thing. I think even right now, like you and I having this conversation, because we, even the two of us have had our own unique experience 
where there's like some similarities and some overlap and then there's some difference and it's like what what would be possible if we all just allowed ourselves and I don't know if this is ever like you know fully possible but it's like imagine what would be possible if we all just allowed ourselves to walk through death and grief exactly as we needed to yeah it would be earth earth I don't want to say earth shattering because that sounds like a good thing um but illuminating like yeah. we could just uh, totally you know I love that you circled back to the 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 piece of you dies because mm-hmm. I think that another piece of you is born as well and mm-hmm. I know that you mentioned that in the beginning there's there, you're not the same as you were four months ago or six months ago or eight months ago mm-hmm. and I think that while I thought of this because I feel like a whole heart died Mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like I grew a whole new one though. There's mm-hmm. there's a whole new depth of love that I've even just felt in friendships of losing yeah. someone and realizing how much you love someone when they're no longer here and mm-hmm. that missing piece and, and all of that. So I just had wanted to quickly put that back in there that the growth mm-hmm. that also happens, that while something is dying, something new is born. And while oftentimes people have to die so that we can have new people and new babies born, ideas have to die so we can have new ideas born. I think that cycles everywhere. And again, we can't just focus on the growth and be like, well, we grow from this. We can also have simultaneously the joy for that rebirth and that sadness for that death all at the same time in the same moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted to come back to earlier, that polarity. I feel like that both and just gets deeper and wider and more true in grief. Um, It has to be both. And I, and it's, you know, like so many, any like teacher or book or this or that or whatever, um, often will speak to like, cause it's also, I could get really caught up in like, you know, I would notice the like perfectionism around it of like, okay, so I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to be sad and I'm going to just like balance it all out. And here we go. And it's also not realistic either. Right. Like it's, it is like, a, it's a, it's a very human, it's very primal actually. Like I think, and that's what you were speaking to too, of like the cycles of life and death and rebirth and and the cycles of nature and, you know, a couple of teachers of mine have kind of really, um, yeah, like reminded me and taught me of, of an intimacy of that. Like we, we might not always pay really close attention to it. And especially, I think actually probably more me than you, because I grew up and I live in a city, whereas you have more closeness with the land and like in your upbringing and stuff, but, um, it's everywhere. Like it, death feeds life. And then it circle, it's, it's always that cyclical element is always so present in the wild and in nature. And I, this has become, I feel like I hear it everywhere. And I feel like I say it everywhere. (laughs) This idea, like nowadays, this idea that like, especially as humans, like we think that we're separate, like we sort of see our, it's like, we sort of see ourselves as as separate, but like, actually, like we, we are also nature. So like, that is true for us too. Um, and that in my, what I've learned is, yeah, like there, there is a, a really inherent, innate, natural intelligence that's at work. Like that's how I'm breathing and my heart is beating right now. And like, all these things are happening that's at work all the time. Like we don't have to control it. We don't have to. And that's a really simple element of it, but it goes a lot deeper than that where, yeah, I feel like what I've come to learn to be true is like there, there really is a natural intelligence. And, and to me, it's a very comforting thing to, to trust in that because it feels much older and wiser than me, (laughs) you know? You know, that is definitely, um, we could keep talking, um, but I got to respect your time. And, um, is there, 
I feel like you wrap that up quite well. And I hope everyone listening feels held at least mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and again, I don't know the depths that someone might be feeling of something right now, but I hope that um, our talk can kind of just, I wanted it to be not exclusive to any anything specific, but just, mm-hmm. yeah. And, I, and that's exactly just be like, hey, no matter what it is, whether you feel that you're your grief is is worse or easier than what we have gone through, you have gone through, or I have gone through. It, it doesn't matter. And I don't believe entirely. Like, yes, I feel like I can compare in my life things that have been worse than others. There's definitely some losses that have been exponential to others, but I can't compare to other people's because you can only compare to your worst and to your easiest. And and how does it help us to compare? Like, what does that information do for it doesn't, us? It doesn't do anything. And that's the thing. I feel like I do. I feel like one last thing I did want to say that I kept forgetting my intention, because I remember when we were talking about, because then you were wrapping it up so beautifully. So I want to let you do that last, if that's okay. <laughs> my intention, like over the last few months, I've reflected a lot about like how much, you know, I'm kind of naturally a more private person. And I was like, okay, how much do I really want to share? How much does Lou want this to be shared? All those things. Um, and the intention that keeps coming back around is like, I think about it in how, like, sometimes it feels like we don't have enough stories in our world and circulating around in our sphere about the so like with birth, there's a lot of stories about what can go wrong and fear. And it creates a lot of fear around the experience of giving birth for women. And this felt connected to that in this weird way. Like it where like, and I like, did you, did grandma ever tell you this? How I think her mom was a midwife. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I can't believe I never knew that. She told me like a couple months ago. Or a year ago, I don't know. I didn't know that either. Um, and it was uh, honestly, I think a little bit before, like for the few months before Lou died, I had this like real interest in, and I still do, um, like in in maybe working in that space at some point. Anyways, that's an aside. But the intention between or behind sharing this felt connected to that. Birth and death are very connected. Major transitions in life, <laughs> probably two of the most major, and the same way it feels to me, this is my perspective that we can sometimes create a lot of like fear and like kind of like scary stories around birth. We also do around death. And it felt like for me and for Lou's experience, like wanting to, and our experience, like it was beautiful. It was really, really beautiful. And I think as much as I want to be honoring of and not never dismissing this is like the holding both like never dismissing of of the pain and of the grief and of what goes along with death um i also wanted it felt for some reason important to just like speak to in some way how death can also be really really beautiful like a really beautiful transition into a different form maybe i mean whatever someone might believe about that but um yeah. So I just feel like I wanted to put that in there as like the intention of like, why share this? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think no matter, no matter what your experience is and no matter where you might be at in life and death and in the world, um, I hope there's something that, you know, that you listen to this for you and connect it to your own experience and just take what, take what supports and leave what doesn't. Um, and yeah, then back over to you because you were wrapping it up really beautifully. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I was actually going to say, Julia, is there any last thoughts <laughs> that you want to just put out there and solidify? But you did that. So thank you. <laughs> Making my job easier. Um, we just read each other's minds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy that we could do an episode that wasn't... Um, I'm trying to learn with as as I pivot throughout the episodes of like what feels good and when is there sometimes there's not enough structure and people are like, mm-hmm. what did I just listen to? 
<laughs> been there too. Yeah. And, and In my own, I'm like, oh gosh, we need to tighten this up. Yeah, it's and hard. So it, it is very challenging. And I never realized that when I listen to interviews or listen to two mm. people and even, even is a solo when I'm just speaking, sometimes I'm like, blah, 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 and I'm just like, I just said words and I hope it, it made sense, but there, there needs to be somewhat of a, um, framework to give someone like like a sense of a framework where people can take something home but at the same time is there needs to be just like you can't make a framework for grief and so I love yeah. that right like like if, if I did the five steps of of grieving and how to make your life better like like I wouldn't click on an episode like that because that's not what we're here to do um we're here to share our personal thoughts, personal experiences, and personal feelings. And you can take it or you can leave it or you can chill. No, <laughs> um, yeah, whatever, whatever feels right in your body. Because we are, as you said, Julia, completely unique, different souls. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I normally would say go back and listen to episode six. Um, but <laughs> Because you and I, let's You'll hear two different people in that episode compared oh, to this one. Oh my goodness. Um, it's funny because I had uh, someone else come on and I said, oh, go back and listen to her first one. And by then I was already, you know, um, later on in, in the show, but mm. you were like one of my very first guests and I did not know what I was doing. And I could tell that I wasn't supporting you enough too, because you were confused by some of the non-existent questions and the two of us were just trying to hang on. I loved it. I, it was so good because I had, I had never been interviewed on a podcast at that point either. So we were both just like holding each other's hands, eyes closed, jumping into the deep end. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but no, there, it. it got, it got love. So go back and listen to that one if you'd like. And um, thank you for being here. We love yeah, you. Thank you. Too. you. I thank love you. you too. I love you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you. Yeah. I hope, I hope you, I hope something kind of lands that you can take away from this. All of you who are listening. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely have a lot to take away. Me too. Um, all right, Julia, thank you so much. Um, thank everyone you. hugs. We will all talk soon. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Daily Dose of Serotonin. If this episode put a smile on your face or helped you in any way, please share it with someone who needs to hear how special they are. And most importantly, if you need a smile or an ear to listen, please reach out. I'd love to connect with you and send positive vibes and virtual hugs. You can find all my info to connect in the show notes. Keep shining, friends. Sending so, so, so much love.